0: My name is Michael Kaiser and I'm John Wilson and welcome to another episode of make ours
1: Marvel this is episode 143 of the podcast that is taking you through every superhero adventure of the Marvel universe from the beginning with the fantastic four number one in 1961 and going all the way to the end of another calendar year it's here folks
0: this is it. We're wrapping up 1966. End of 1966, beginning of
1: 1967, which has been on my horizon for a while because when we started this show, I was doing a Marvel read-through that was you know, a ways ahead, and um, I was going more slowly than we were going for the show. So eventually, I started to get caught up, and I just stopped reading. But I I left off in early 1967. So we were almost caught up to where I've never read before.
0: And then we just got to cover two more years, and we can retire. Yeah,
1: 1967, then this, then two more years, and it's the end of the 60s, and and we can relax with our millions. I
0: guess three, 67, 68, 69. Nice, that's it. And then we're just going to be like comics were lame after that. Yeah, who likes bronze anyway? Yeah, Um, but we're kicking off tonight with me, which is kind of unusual. But since we did five last issue or last episode, that always screws up the. Every other one thing. Should we do Avengers- the, uh, the list oh, of what we're what? covering real quick? Oh, yeah, yeah. We should probably do that.
1: Uh, in case you have not read and you want to read ahead, we are covering the Avengers 37, Strange Tales 154, Thor 138, and Sergeant Fury 40.
0: So like we may or may not have already said, December 8th, we are kicking it off with Avengers 37 to conquer a Colossus with an okay cover by Gil Kane who is not the interior artist. So that was kind of interesting. Um, the mighty Avengers to conquer a Colossus uh, 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 um, are incredible interstellar epic so far. Because this is part two, kids, if we remember correctly. In their valiant attempt to rescue the captured Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in the labyrinth interior of a flying saucer, the Avengers and the lovely Black Widow have been overcome by the Ultroid hordes of Ixar the Invincible. And you think you've got trouble, waggle eyebrow. Avengers All, electrifying, editing by Stan Lee, scintillating, scripting by Roy Thomas, invigorating, illustrating by Don Heck, languishing, lettering by Artie simek So, yeah, those Ultroids beat them all. Mm-hmm. Last two being Captain America and Black Widow who are sitting there on the floor and everybody's looking at them. That lady uh, Ultrana comes out and she's like, put them all in there." In their cylinders. Now it turns out these cylinders aren't just any old cylinders. You can't just grab any super powered person and put it in the cylinder and steal the powers. Oh no, each one of these cylinders was specifically de- designed to capture and steal the power. So Goliath is for Goliath, cap for cap. We all get that, right? Okay. So while they're in there, but that's just put a pin in that because that's gonna come up later. But while we're while we're in there and they can't move, Hawkeye's like, well, where'd you come from? So Ultrana tells the story of, what the hell is his name again? Ixar. Basically, they call him a human, but he's not a human. I think they mean just like humanoid or something, because he's not from human. He's not from Earth. But anyway, he is from a planet that got in a war with another planet that also was human, and they exhausted their resources so badly that they eventually they started making these Ultroids to fight because everything went extinct, except for Ixar and, you know, whoever he beats up. So Ixar's still human-ish, I guess. Um, or no, he ends up being like a living computer or something like that. It's very yeah. Star Trek. Um, so anyway, they go on this mission to be like, we need to find uh, uh super powered beings to make my Ultroids more super powery so that we can beat this unknown enemy that we never really cover in this issue. So that's where we're at. They found Earth, which luckily has super powered beings. Um, so then they like just leave them there to get their powers like sucked out. But Goliath is thinking, you know, if they Got all the information by capturing Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch haven't seen me in quite some time. And the last time they saw me, they thought I was stuck at 10 feet tall. So these cylinders don't know that that's no longer the case. So he goliaths down to Ant-Man size and gets out. Sure enough, because the Cylinder was not anticipating that ability. And then he turns back into Goliath, and he frees the most powerful Avenger, which is Captain America, of course. And he helps him, and then they free Hawkeye, and then they free Scarlet Witch, and they free Quicksilver um, – Hawkeye goes off to find Black Widow because they didn't have a cylinder for her because they weren't expecting her to be there because they only made cylinders for the Avengers. So no one knows where Black Widow is. Hawkeye goes off to go rescue her. Um, Meanwhile, the living computer has the, what's his name? God. The
1: Burgermeister?
0: The Burgermeister from, you know, the Christmas reindeer stuff. They have him (laughs) captured. And – the living computer sucks all the energy from the Ultroids and makes them disappear and turns it into himself and basically becomes this big walking, giant, robot-looking thing. He actually looks like, what's that guy, Mongol from DC? Mm-hmm. He looks like that, but with a lot more space gear on. Um, and he just comes out and he starts attacking. And Cap does, like, this kind of cool idea where he's like, you know, Goliath, you stand back for a second. And he lets Quicksilver attack and Quicksilver gets hit and then... Scarlet Witch puts all her Hex on him up until she runs out of Hex. And then Goliath attacks while Scarlet Witch reboots, which is kind of cool. Because um, then ultimately Goliath gets knocked down too. And then Cap goes in there and tries to fight him. And he gets knocked down. Wasp gets knocked down. But then the Scarlet Witch is back to business. And she like goes full on Hex on him and defeats the robot. Um, But then she panics about Quicksilver being unconscious and while she's back, is turned the robot, wakes back up and puts her in a cylinder. So shoot. It was almost cool. Anyway, Hawkeye and Black Widow show back up and Hawkeye's like starting to fight the giant Mongol computer. But then he points his arrow at the Burgermeister and he's like, actually, you're not really the Burgermeister. You're Ixar, right? He's like, how did you know? I don't know how he knew, but he knew that like the living computer somehow has possessed the Burgermeister, and it was him the whole time. So he's really, like, not a, uh, a, a hostage. He's in charge. So Hawkeye's like, I'm going to kill you, and I can kill you faster than you can kill me. And the Burgermeister's like, yeah, but earlier in this issue, you Avengers touted about how your main uh, uh, your main policy is that you don't kill humans or hurt humans and stuff, So, and since I'm kind of human, you're not going to kill me. And Hawkeye's like, dang it. And so then the Black Widow is like, oh, by the way, I'm not uh, – an Avenger, and also, I'm not necessarily a good person either, so I'll kill you. He's like, no, you wouldn't do that. She's like, look into my eyes, mofo. I totally will. And he's like, okay. So then he takes them back to Earth, because they were flying around in a flying saucer. And the Avengers land back where the Burgermeister and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch live. I can't remember where it is. Transia or something like that. Some European place. And Cap tells the people that the Burgermeister's dead. Sorry about that. He, he lies to them, tells them they're dead instead of telling them that they've been tricked by a weird alien. Hawkeye thinks, I'm not going to tell Cap how we really defeated him because I want Black Widow to be on the Avengers and I'm not sure he'd approve of what she just did. Right, and safe bet. the Burgermeister is like, dang it, years of training, years of planning, ruined by the Black Widow. The end. Next issue, Hercules.
1: So remember whenever I said I don't like this story? Yeah. How'd you feel about it after two parts?
0: I still liked it. Okay, good. Uh, I liked the first part because it had the whole trick and the trap and all that. And this one, you know, Ixar's kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. Not kind of, pretty stupid. But dang if that ending wasn't pretty awesome with Black Widow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Threatening him and all that stuff. That was pretty rad. And and Scarlet Witch did a good showing in this too. She, she defeated him by herself kind of for a little while anyway.
1: Actually, she really does. That's true. And um,
0: so, so, and I like that Goliath tricked the cylinders because they forget they didn't know that he had new, his old powers again. And I don't know, it was okay. Like it's not, it's nothing. Neither one of them is like a top ten or worth including in a milestone trade paperback or something. But it's just, it was decent. Does this mean that
1: the Burgermeister that they reconciled with was
0: the wrong one? Yep. And the right one is the racist one is dead. Mm. So they don't have to worry about him no more. It doesn't I think it said somewhere how long he's been impersonating him but I can't remember where it said that I was looking through my notes to see I said
1: so how long is he the burgomaster, but um
0: that's the weakest part of this story is like wrapping my brain around the origin and the just the villain I guess is kind of what the hell like I don't really get what's oh wait going a second there.
1: maybe maybe that's why he made friends with them maybe to keep them near until they could get their powers right. So they, oh, so he takes over the town because he knows there's Mm -hmm. super heroes on this this planet. And Mm -hmm. suddenly two just walk into his town. He's like, all right then. And he makes Mm -hmm. all the town love Wanda and Pietro again so he can get them. Or he knew they
0: were there. And so he took over the mayor or Burgermeister or whatever it is. I
1: don't even know Burgermeister. I've never heard that before outside of this comic. (laughs) I mean, Berg, Berg is a little town. And Meister is master. So it makes Isn't sense. That,
0: wasn't that the evil European dude in the Santa Claus ranking claymation thing? The Burgermeister.
1: I guess. I don't, I don't remember that, but I, I believe you. So
0: I think it's a European thing. It must be, it must mean like mayor or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. The town master.
1: <laughs> we, we, I like the word mayor. Mayor means like biggest or most important or something. Yeah. Um, some emphasis in the opening captions that black widow is not on the team. That seems a little shady until that kind of becomes a major plot point later in the issue. Mm-hmm. It's like the Avengers and black widow. Um, but her, her going I, against the Avengers oath later is kind of a big deal.
0: Well, first of all, their oath continues to be silly to me. Cause they say like, it's not just that they won't kill anybody. It's like they, they will let no human being be harmed. It's like, If a human being is robbing a bank, Cap's punching him in the face. Mm -hmm, That's going to cause harm. What are you talking about? This isn't like Star Trek or something weird like that. Hell, even Star Trek vaporizes people. Right, right. So it's a weird oath or it's a weird, you know, moral stance that they're picking because they've already ruined it multiple times. But that said, I don't think they would threaten to kill somebody necessarily like Black Widow did. Right.
1: And honestly, if they had stopped playing good cop, if they had stopped playing good cop, uh-huh. and just let it be bad cop, maybe Hawkeye could have scared the guy. Ha- and also Black Widow, she says, I'm totally going to kill you. I have an Avengers oath. There's nothing to say that she's not also just baiting him to, to you know, would
0: she actually so, kill him? I don't know. On page 19, that last panel, I kind of feel like she would. But Agreed. But she is a master spy, and that is her thing, lying. So uh-huh. either way, I like that it's like a thing that she can do, is to make people believe whatever she's saying.
1: Um, I kind of feel like the uh, all the Ultroids coming together to turn into the big XR Ultroid was like a video game development.
0: Yeah. That's the thing I don't get. Like, so is he a computer or is he a person? He seemed like a person, but then later he's not. Yeah, I think it's a computer mind
1: driving the Burgermeister's body and driving the Ultroid body. But I could be wrong. Okay.
0: And they keep calling him a human and it's like, no, no, you don't mean that. Because then at first I'm like, is this guy from Earth? He's not from Earth. No.
1: But one thing I've learned about sci-fi is that the word human was used a lot for non-Earth humans.
0: It's it's it just relatively it just means something that looks like a human.
1: Yeah, like Han Solo is a human. He's Corellian.
0: He's a human. Well, that's true. That is true. He he is. So that is weird. Yeah. Don't know how that works. Um,
1: so page seventeen. Let me get there so I can read it. Um. You know, lady, as long as one Avenger is free and a two-legged sewing machine is doing anything to the rest of them, you dare challenge me? You who are the weakest of all. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. can we just come to some sort of agreement on just who is the freaking weakest Avenger? Because is it Cap? Is it Scarlet Witch? Is it Hawkeye? I don't know. What day is it?
0: <laughs> They've all been called that. Yeah. Yeah. I-, I thought I was thinking the same thing. And it's Hawkeye, by the way. That's the answer. But <laughs> the,
1: the answer is Hawkeye. The answer is the guy with no powers and, like, no real fighting skills.
0: Yeah. Although he did take on Iron Man. So that's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. He's got those arrows. Um, you want to know when Ixar the Burgermeister comes back?
0: Oh, God, yes. I was holding my breath. Never. Okay. Well, that doesn't shock me. Just another one of those human or, you know, uh, aliens who come in expecting one thing, get over overworked, and then never come back because they're too scared. Mm-hmm. They probably have a club, him and the Saturn men, like out right. to the same bar or something.
1: But this issue, despite my not really loving it, it does a couple of important things. It brings back Wanda and Pietro. They're back on the team now.
0: <sighs> yes. And there's a really, I forgot to say that in the summary, there's like a nice little scene where they're like, welcome back. It's good to see you again, which I appreciated. Yeah. I can't remember what page that was, but somewhere in there, and if, like, I am,
1: if I remember right, this whole, she was about to kill him thing kind of spoils the milk for either Hawkeye's love for the Black Widow or at least her journey to become an Avenger.
0: Mm. So that's pretty rad if that's true, because I like uh, consequences and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, it's actually page nine. So it's like in the middle of the issue. They're like all happy to see each other. And it's like you kind of do forget that they have not seen each other in a long time. It's been a long road. Because we've been seeing Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver here and there, but the Avengers haven't.
1: And we saw a lot of Wanda last issue. But it was a fake Wanda.
0: But it wasn't Wanda, right. So that was cool to see them all together again. And now we have a roster of six, I guess. Um, Seven, if Black Widow continues to contribute, even though she's not official. So six and a half. Six and a half. There are changes. This is our first team where, like, well, I guess Mimic also was added to the X-Men. But I think the Avengers are going to change more than, you know, the FF or the X-Men for the time being.
1: Yes. And next issue, Hercules.
0: Oh, is he gonna join? That'd be rad. Have to see. I hope he does. He does eventually, but uh, anyway. eventually, yeah.
1: So Strange Tales. Uh, <sighs> if you wanna. <laughs> yeah. It we we would we would be remiss in our uh mission. You're right. Beware You're the right. deadly dreadnought. Our stultitude st- hmm. wow. stultiloquent saga so far. I don't think that's a word, Stan. Or Roy or whoever. The mysterious Supreme Hydra has assumed the identity of a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent named Bronson and made himself a hero in the eyes of Nick Fury himself. And if that doesn't clue you in that S.H.I.E.L.D. is in for trouble, we're going back to publishing funny animal books. And now, lest we forget, meet AUTOFAC, a ridiculous acronym, the latest and hopefully greatest weapon in S.H.I.E.L.D.'s arsenal against the Hydra hordes which seek to dominate the world. What's it do? Read on, Marvelite. It's this big screen with this face on it going, who would you The ridiculous acronym "autofac" is analytical unit for tabulation of origin factors and computation, which I think means that somebody just wanted to spell out AutoFact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Shieldies are talking to Laura Brown about how she's in danger, so they got to keep her safe and she's like, "But isn't my presence here putting Shield in danger?" And they're like, "Now nah, we're good. We can take care of ourselves." This is a majestic Marvel Masterwork edited by Stan Lee, scripted by Roy Thomas, plotted and drawn by Jim Steranko. I think this is his first plot credits and mm. is this his first not drawing over Jim Jack Kirby's layouts.
0: Absolutely. You can tell.
1: Yeah. We're going to talk about that as we go. Yeah. Lettered Mm -hmm. by Sam Rosen. Don't yield back. What's its name?
0: Back. What's his name? Yeah.
1: Um, okay. So they decide that, uh, Bronson's there and talking about how they're going to keep her safe and they'll need to build, they'll need to make a master plan to rid the earth of Hydra once and for all. Uh, Fury really trusts Bronson. Stillwell's not so sure. Uh, she's going to calculate Miss Brown's Western roots to, to leave. Um, let's see. Fury gets a whole bunch of new doodads from, uh, Q department or whatever it is. A pen that shoots, it's an eavesdropper pen. And, um, Cliff cufflinks for electronic absorbers. The right cufflink (laughs) is also an ionic degenerator. Um, they make an atomic battery when they're coupled together. So there's like three different and dispel large amounts of high voltage. So four different functions. And the cufflinks. Uh, the cigars contain various chemical substances. I wonder if they're labeled individually. And the repulsor watches the pride and joy because it um, emits a stream of negative magnetic energy for dodging bullets and the like. And the belt buckle keeps his pants up. Um, oh, yeah. There's also a ring that has an auto-destruct mechanism just in case you don't need that finger anymore. <laughs> Um, so Bronson goes over to, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, what's it called? The, the comms and like contacts Hydra and says, Hey, get ready for some orders. We're going to execute plan D, D for dreadnought. And they're like, sweet dreadnought. So, uh, there's this like missile thing that looks like it shoots up towards the helicarrier. And, uh, Nick Fury goes to the mirror, gives, gives up a shave and realizes, Hey, Starting to go gray at the temples here. Just call me Mr. Reed Richards or something. And meanwhile, the missile that launched towards the helicarrier bursts through his bathroom wall, and it's a giant robot called the Dreadnought. And Fury starts fighting giant robots because you know what? Why not? And he uses all sorts of doodads from his new doodad collection to fight the robot. The robot does these really cool like um, X-ray, gamma ray, circle, concentric circle thing. Uh, meanwhile, Gabe Jones and Dum-Dum Dugan are having a big old long laugh that Dum-Dum Dugan's birth name on his uh, birth certificate is Timothy Aloysius Cadwallader Dugan.
0: <laughs> yes, yes it is.
1: <laughs> um, we're going to have a conversation about fun names later on because I've I'm got a I'm dinger of a story. Um, anyways, Laura Brown decides, okay, um, I'm causing problems for S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, they're trying to figure out who Supreme Hydra is. They're running this auto fact to figure out his face and his name, just like the S.H.I.E.L.D. living brain thing from um, Amazing Spider-Man number eight. So she goes in there like, okay, who's it figured out? <gasps> is it really him? And just as she sees the results, Bronson comes up behind her and gets her in the back with his... I don't know, weird, smoky hands. Um, Meanwhile, Nick Fury is still fighting the Dreadnought. It's going actually much better than you think it would, since it's Nick Fury. He beats the Dreadnought, and he comes and rejoins the Shieldies just when the uh, autofact reports that Supreme Hydra is none other than Laura Brown. And to confirm it, a uh, um, communication was just sent from the helicarrier to Hydra, Ooh. which confirms that must be somebody on the helicarrier. So it must be Laura Brown. Everyone's very dismayed because they've taken Laura into their confidence and Bronson's thinking um, that he's going to get some revenge on Nick Fury. He survived the Dreadnought. But soon, I shall destroy both you and Laura Brown personally. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I'm interested yeah. to see him do something that actually benefits the position he's in. or Takes advantage of what he's doing? Take he advantage. Is. That's a better word, yeah. Like, you could have sent that dreadnought from anywhere, uh-huh. really. That had nothing to do with him being there. So,
1: he did, kind of interesting. He did stop them from finding out that he was, you know, Supreme Hydra, but that's, that's not which, really agency. Which that's more reaction.
0: Which, which only matters if you're there. Right, so, right. Uh, Oh, no, that's not true. We don't know his actual... That's, I keep forgetting that that's important and we're supposed to care. Like, he has an actual identity oh, that yeah, we that's don't right. know. So it would uh, not have said
1: that Bronson was Supreme Hydra. It would have said that whoever...
0: No, yeah, it would have said, you know, Sally Struthers was Supreme Hydra or something. Or
1: Louise so Louis Mangro. Like, oh, no, no.
0: So did, uh, uh you know, this, this AutoFact thing didn't really do anything.
1: It was supposed but, to figure out the answer, but like I said, this was just the living brain figuring out who Peter Parker is Spider-Man.
0: That, or it reminded me of uh, Quasimodo. <coughs> yeah. Because it has a face. It's like, it could have just been a supercomputer, but no, they put a face on it, like it's trapped in the computer, or it's an AI trapped without a body or something. And I kind of thought it would talk or something, but then it doesn't go anywhere past that first page. No, I think the, the face
1: is um, photos of different
0: oh, people. Oh, I thought it was supposed to be the manifestation of the autofact.
1: I kind of love that. It kind of has a feeling of, like, the old fortune teller booths with the weird, uh-huh. like, magician there.
0: Yeah, but you're probably right it isn't because they don't ever show that again. So, bummer.
1: So, this is the first Jim Steranko comic, and I feel mm-hmm. like it really shows. But there there's, there's, there's places where he's emulating Kirby, and there's places where he's doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And the first two pages are a nice contrast. I feel like the first page is very Kirby with all the tech. Maybe mm-hmm. a bit more tech than Kirby would have, but still, you know. But then the second page with those mm-hmm. long, flat layouts, the the, the panels, mm-hmm. I mean, Kirby wouldn't do
0: that. No. And Nick looks way more Starenko Nick than he ever has so far. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, he's not there yet. Like I like I think I've said before, I don't really love Starenko's style, but this is definitely not his peak performance yet. No. He's still he's still trying to figure things out, but it's getting there.
1: The um the th- triple panel layout on the top of page 4 with mm-hmm. uh Brosnan calling uh, Hydra, mm-hmm. Hydra yep. responding, and then the third panel is like, you know, attack on to have Dreadnought coming. That was I liked that layout with the split shield emblem and hydra emblem on the background Mm
0: -hmm. and like i'll recognize even though i don't necessarily appreciate his style i do recognize that he's very good at like uh coming up with design elements that most people didn't like he had his very unique way of doing that and that's actually starting in this story like when the when the robot starts issuing gamma rays to hmm Try and blind Nick. It's like this weird – I don't even know how to explain it exactly. It's like black and white panels with uh, circles.
1: Yeah, concentric circles, and, like, they alternate between black and white. And I don't know – I was going to ask you, being an art guy, is there, like, a trick to this? Because even the
0: lettering – That's goes, the part that's cool. Yeah. It's like the lettering on the white parts are black, and the lettering on the black parts are white. And it cuts in the middle of letters. So they mm-hmm. either,
1: either somebody, like, was really meticulous – it had to be, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I,
0: I don't know how they did that either because obviously this is all pre computers. This is all hand done. Mm-hmm. So somewhere out there, there's original page eight and page, you know, nine or whatever of lettering that's black and white like that. Eight and ten. Whoever owns it, that's pretty cool.
1: I was literally asking myself last issue, hmm, I wonder when Fury's going to get Great Temples. Uh huh. And then here he is in Jim Stranko's first full on art. He turns Fury Gray. Yep. That's
0: pretty great. I forgot about that. So now he's officially sixties Marvel Nick Fury, mm-hmm. Agent of Shield, all the way. Yep. He's got the look now.
1: All he needs is the blue jumpsuit.
0: All he needs is the blue jumpsuit. I think that's more eighties at some point, but
1: Oh, it could be. It could be.
0: He's got the he's got the eye patch, he's got the gray temples. He's pretty rad.
1: Um do you know many people with four names?
0: Um, I know zero people with four names. I think
1: so. One of my best friends from high school, or from just after high school, is named Joshua Michael Hannon Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Um, he and his wife are also giving their names, their children, four names each. But here's the best name I've ever heard: my daughter's roommate. And I'm I'm slightly modifying these names because I don't need to give somebody's full name in a in a public forum. But you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter's roommate is named Alexis Madison Baby Shark Williams. What? Yes. Her third name is Baby, Baby shark. shark. Yes. And this is she got that name 20 years ago. Before it was like, you know, this weird internet phenomenon. It was just like a camp song or whatever. She got named yeah, Baby Shark.
0: That's weird. Yeah.
1: Her parents are shark biologists.
0: So by this issue, James Bond has done his fourth film, Thunderball. hmm And after Goldfinger, or by Goldfinger, the formula is pretty set. hmm And one of the formula beats that everybody loves is when Bond goes to visit Q to get his gadgets. And they totally do that in this issue. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, they even call the guy Boothroyd. And as far as I remember, Q's real name is Major Boothroyd. Really? Like at least from the books. Oh, if not, he funny. was I think he was called Boothroyd and Doctor No before they decided to make a Q department. So
1: I thought Yeah, his, they're just
0: like straight up taking it.
1: I thought his name was rather unusual. Mm-hmm. It's like Boothroyd. That's a name.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of surprised they got away with that part. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how legal stuff works. But um, yeah, that was cool. And then of course he ends up using all those gadgets, which is also very bond. Like somehow they know what he needs.
1: Or he finds, he finds ways to use them. He uses pretty mm-hmm. much all of them in this issue, too, which is a little bit yeah. of a letdown. because yeah. The last time he got a bunch of gadgets, there were some things that he was um, like waiting for several, several issues before using.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dreadnought's kind of cool. I mean, I'm pretty sure he shows up in Marvel again and again because I recognized his look. Or at least a Dreadnought robot shows up in Marvel. Maybe not this exact one. Mm-hmm. Because they can make as many of these as they want, theoretically. But- I don't know. He's kind of neat. Giant blue looks interesting. It
1: was it was a neat design. It's it's I guess maybe Storinka's first real design of a bad guy robot. It. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's serviceable. It works. Right.
0: You know, it might be easier just to shoot the shield carrier with a nuclear missile right. or something. But, but he, he it's really a superhero wants a comic. personal revenge on Fury. <laughs> right. Okay. So what's this chick's name again? I forget. Laura uh, Brown. Laura Brown. Wants to figure all this stuff out for herself because she doesn't think Nick Fury trusts her.
1: She's trying to figure out who is the real
0: Cylon. And so she's checking the Cylon yeah. test results. But she, does it, but she does it by herself and doesn't tell anybody her suspicions. This is just, by the way, she's not learning anything. She's clarifying to herself that she's right. Oh. Uh, so it's like, instead of telling Nick, she's like, oh, nobody trusts me here because I'm a ex-Hydra daughter. But I'm like, dude, how much does Nick have to do to prove that he trusts you? Like, she he's also, rescued you, <laughs> he's brought you to his home base, he's rescued you twice.
1: She also has know. figured out that the person is Agent Bronson. So she knows it's somebody posing as Agent Bronson, and she's figured out who the somebody is. So she has both pieces of the puzzle.
0: Yeah. Brosnan, bronze I keep wanting to say Brosnan, which is also very Bond. Bronson must be the Supreme Hydra, and the Supreme Hydra is, boink, you'll knocked have, out. You'll never know. I don't know and I also have zero guesses which might be a detriment to the story like it might be cool if they gave me some to work with but oh well I I like to think that it's going to just be that cool of a surprise because they
1: haven't like maybe they'll tease it like the issue or two before I don't actually know when it reveals cuz like I said we're almost to where I've stopped reading I just mm. I just I, know who it is
0: It's Jasper Sitwell Yeah it's
1: Jasper Sitwell
0: <laughs> They're they're standing in the same room but it's probably
1: He leans over and hugs Senator Stern and says he'll hydrate his ear. Does Jasper
0: Sitwell ever become an actual bad guy? Because why is the MCU so mean to this perfectly perfect character? I don't know. Otherwise, it's weird, know. right? He's I so think, perfect and nice and awesome in these stories. And then I just keep thinking, yeah, but he's a jerky jerk in the MCU. What the heck was that about?
1: I think his somewhat stuffy bookishness gets enhanced as time goes on. I think he gets a little mm. bit Flanders eyes with that, but uh, I don't think mm. he ever becomes a bad
0: person. He's not a Hydra agent. Well, you know who is a Hydra agent? Clea. Clea. Yeah.
1: Clea so must die. So she must die.
0: Yeah, yeah. Attend ye
1: these words, O true believer, for they be the fabric of wonderment. Alone and unafraid, Doctor Strange has dared invade the dread dimension realm of the unspeakable Umar. In a desperate... They, they keep saying she's unspeakable, and they keep speaking her name in a desperate <laughs> effort to rescue the fair clea from the evil enchantress but instead of the lovely captive he finds himself kissing a mindless one a mystic marvel masterwork by stanley and Mary, marie severin who started last issue i think lettered by sam rosen did she start last issue or is this her first issue marie severin uh i will look it was last issue it was last issue we talked about her yeah she is i love I like her style okay so um he thought he was catching uh, Clea, he was not. It was a minus one. Uh, minus one starts zapping. He was like, "Okay, um, I can't win in this body. So what I'll do is I'll I'll bounce out of my body. That way, if he hits my body, won't actually hurt me. And I'll rest in my ghost form and get re-energized. And then jump back into my body and take him out. And while I'm out of my body, if he punches my body, it goes right through my body because my physical, actually present body is intangible." Okay, so he does that. Sure. The mindless Mm -hmm. one wanders off because he can't hurt Doctor Strange's body. He goes back into his body. He's like, oof, all revitalized. Going to keep wandering through this dark dimension. Hmm, Where's the dark parts? Oh, there they are. And he finds this castle up on a hill. It's Castle Decepticon. And he sends his Eye of Agamotto swimming through the air to go spy on Umar and there's this cute panel where it's sitting down in the lower right corner while she's yelling at some um, craven creatures of the night. You shall serve me still. Um, she's like, if you don't serve, you go to the Dungeon of the Doomed. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah. Because Clea is in the Dungeon of the Doomed. And he realizes that he's going to have to go down there to rescue her. So he goes underneath the castle and finds this like boiling lake of fire. He's like, oh, this looks like hell. But what's under hell? Hmm. I'm going to wrap myself in my Superman cape and go through this boiling lake of fire. And underneath is a chasm down to another hell. And that's where all the people who have been captured by the unspeakable Umar are being forced to slave their existence away. And he's trying to find Clea. And he sees this hooded figure with a staff. You can't see who's inside. In fact, Maybe there's nobody inside. But he starts like, you know, what are you? Why are you trying to attack me? Who are you? Why are you trying to kill me? And they're like, no, no, no. This man speaks only truth. Neither good nor bad. Just truth. We call him Veritas because that means truth. So Dr. Strange is like, okay, cool. Uh, why don't you take <laughs> me to see Clea? So Veritas grabs Dr. Strange, takes him away, um, leaves him outside of the mountain where all these purple birds are... Um, Attacking him because, you know, Umar. And um, what else? He uses some red magic to kill the purple birds. He goes into the castle. Uh, he gets slapped down by a green beam of energy. Umar's like, I'm so cool and you go to school. And uh, Veritas shows up and she's like, oh my gosh, Veritas. And he says, hoogity boogity. And he opens up his robe and she screams at what she sees. However, it's not the normal hoogity boogity It's her own face, super old and deranged and decrepit because she's actually a big old demon woman. And she's like, no, I hate my face. It's like looking at your middle school pictures. It's just super cringy. And um, so Dr. Strange shows up and says, hey. (laughs) That's a pretty funny middle school picture there. Uh, She's like, no, you can't stop me. Um, I'm going to fight you. And you know what? Um, Since you left the halls of death to save Clea. I'm going to bring up her picture in my window here and shoot her with lasers because now is when Clea dies. Next issue, the fearful finish.
0: So anyway, Thor. (laughs) God, you know what it is? Like I read strange and the entire time I'm just shrugging saying, okay. Right. Like they just, give us stuff and make stuff up. And maybe that's the inherent problem with magic in general, but like, they don't even try and stick with any rules that they've established. Really?
1: No, I liked Veritas. I thought Veritas was kind of a cool idea. And I mean, revealing to the old witch that she's really an old witch and not a beautiful young seductress is kind of an old trope. And it might actually mm-hmm. be kind of a tasteless trope if you think about it too long.
0: But, mm-hmm. um,
1: but you know, but it,
0: who is he? They just didn't him. yeah. And like, there he is. Okay. He's, cool. just a, th- he's, he, he's
1: a thing. Makes you wonder if he ever like even like comes back and does something.
0: And they could just as easily have had Doctor Strange hocus pocus this exact same scenario, which just it makes like have zero weight either way, I guess, somehow. It does provide us with a very cool cover image. <laughs> yes, that's true. Doctor Strange did have a nice cover on this one. Um although the cover like even the beginning, okay. One rule is when he's in his ectoplasmic specter form is his body's vulnerable. That's been a thing. Mm-hmm. It's always been a thing. That's the downside of just not being being a spirit all the time. You can't just go around being a spirit because something can happen to your body. But now he can just magically make his body invulnerable to things too while he's a spirit. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Never done that before, but okay. All
1: of that made very little sense. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if his body was intangible because he was in like an astral dimensional world or something. mm -hmm. But his body is his body. The whole idea that they said on a number of occasions is his body has to be protected while he's out of it.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Otherwise, why not just be a ghost all the time? You never get hurt. It's pretty Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, Umar wants to be Dormammu really bad, even though she hates Dormammu really bad. So it's like, I feel like they don't really develop any... Particular rhyme or reason for her, and, but at least Dormammu like functioned as some sort of natural deterrent to the mindless ones. But now she doesn't even do that. But then again, why does she need to do that? Because apparently nothing bad happened with the mindless ones when Dormammu died. So like, there's more rules that are just out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, come on, guys. Also, the title
1: of this, and also on the cover, because the title's on the cover, mm-hmm. has nothing to do with this chapter. Right, because she's still not in this again. Clea's not in this. It's the very last panel, the very last line. Umar mm-hmm. is threatening Clea's life, says Clea's going to die. So, did they just read this entire chapter and realize that nothing was worth earning the title? Like, you could still have like the, the, the deadly truths of Veritas or something like that.
0: I mean, at the very least, on the last page, she could have exclaimed, Clea must die. So it ties together. But she says, Clea dies, so they don't quite get it right. Mm-mm. Why does she want to kill Clea? I don't know. Just to torture Doctor Strange because he killed the brother that she hates makes perfect sense. Yeah, I don't that's the know. thing. She he
1: killed the brother that she hates, so she wants to kill him back. I don't know.
0: And like that freed her. So if anything, she should give him a cake. Whatever. Maybe she's sick any of cake. Doctor Strange. I'm sick of Doctor Strange because they're not even trying at all to moralize him, Mm-mm. which is annoying. I want, I want more. Now it's been too long.
1: Maybe um I don't know, maybe after this arc things will improve. I don't know.
0: Maybe, maybe.
1: Veritas actually does have a handful of stories in h- in him later. Oh goody. Um he's in a few issues of Nova, he's in a couple issues of Fantastic Four, and he's in a few issues of New Warriors, which I don't remember. Nova. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Well maybe the Nova New Warriors are related. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But he so also it's like he just shows up and solves all the problems. Well,
1: he goes by Sage later. Sage with a Y, Uh, -Y S-A-Y-G-E. Of course. Of course, because 90s. Because he's one of those guys. Although I think the Nova stories were in the 70s, so never mind.
0: And he still looks the same. He's a faceless person in a white cloak, I guess.
1: It's like Destiny's light cloaked brother.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I didn't love this. And guess what? This could be a continue for release favorite. And we're gonna find that out because unless oh, you have anything more to say, this is the end of the month. This is the end of the month. Yeah, I'm I'm done with this issue. Okay. Um, hmm. should I run them down? You should run them down. December 1966. End of the year, but we have to talk about end of the month.
1: Okay. Sure. Thor 137, where Thor licked a troll, fought mm-hmm. the big old Ulick, and
0: um we've You licked a troll.
1: Oh, that's yeah. right. You like the troll. Um, we get the tragedy of Hogan at the end, where he faces off with um, the Mongol or the Mogul and the, the Djinn. Um We have Sergeant Fury 39 into the Fortress of Fear with Klawa. We have Tales of Suspense 87, uh, Crisis at the Earth's Core with Iron Man and Mo- uh, Mole Man, and then Wanted Captain America with... That weird, was he the Tumbler? The guy who wanted Captain America's shield because of all the gadgets.
0: Oh, it was, uh, God, who cares? But I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that guy. But it wasn't the Tumbler, but it was somebody. Yeah.
1: Tales to Astonish 89, where Hulk fights the stranger and um, Namor fights off a giant robot. Okay. Daredevil 25, 25. With with Leapfrog and Mike Murdoch. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Uh, the cap guy with, with the lamp chops is named the Peerless Planner. That's right.
1: Fantastic Four 60, The Peril and the Power, where we finally beat Doctor Doom in like five seconds later the story. And the Inhumans are finally free and trying to live in real life and not get shot at by hunters. Uh, the X-Men... 29 with the mimic versus the super adaptoid and the mimic realizes at the end that maybe the real stolen superpowers were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Amazing. Spider-Man 48 with the sinister shocker. And in this episode, the Avengers 37, which wraps up the um XR storyline and strange tales. 154, with uh, Nick Fury versus the Dreadnought and the Graying Temples, and Doctor Strange versus Kissing the Mindless One.
0: Easy. I got them both. Okay. It was an easy month. Doctor Strange, my least favorite. He has gone from just being neutral about him to forgetting about him to now actually kind of being angry about him. I'm tired of his shenanigans. He needs to shape up. Okay. And my favorite is... Fantastic Four sixty 60, because aside from that one last page that really does wrap things up way too quickly and robs us of a little bit of payoff, the rest of that story was freaking epic. So
1: I'm going to agree I, with I like you that. on Doctor Strange. I know I rented on a bit how I didn't like the Avengers, um, mm-hmm. but that's the Avengers issue amongst other Avengers issues. It's like one of my least favorite of that run. But you're right, Doctor Strange is, is, is almost angering at this point (laughs) it's it's Mm -hmm. like why is this this way and my favorite's gonna go to to madcap mike murdoch daredevil 25
0: oh that's a good one too yeah
1: yeah um i mean spider-man's good fantastic four is good but i just had a ball not only reading it but like knowing that this was your first exposure to this character and like talking about it with
0: you that was all great yeah that was a pretty good issue yeah And
1: um, normally I have some information about how we voted and everything over the course of this year, but um, my spreadsheet lost a lot of that data. So I've got to go back through and and mine it out of the audio. So I don't have that quite ready tonight, but we will do, we will spend a little time talking about that at the beginning of next week's episode. So just
0: hold on to that and we'll, we'll get to it. We'll do a 1966 recap next week. Mm Mm-hmm. This week we will move right on into 1967. Get a new calendar, turn the page, uh, January. And it's January 3rd. And there's only one for January 3rd, right? Right. This is the second time they've done this. this is, I don't know why they're doing these lovely first weeks. All right. So the only first week for January 3rd, 1967, our brand new year, very exciting, is the Mighty Thor, number 138. Now, before you get into this,
1: uh huh, we have to issue a retraction.
0: Oh, boy. You're right. We do. So You said it, not me. But I didn't yeah, even I notice know. at all. So it's really <laughs> both of our faults.
1: Issue 137. Last issue, I was so excited, was the first appearance of the name Mjolnir. And I remembered Mjolnir. it from the last time I read through Thor. I was like, this is the first SIF issue? Yeah, that's right. No, that's wrong. Uh, we released episode, was it 135 or 136? Something like that. Mm-hmm. And um the Tales of Asgard story has Thor call his hammer Mjolnir, and I had never even noticed.
0: Because it was a Tales of Asgard story, to be fair. There's that. So so this is the first Mjolnir in a real Thor story.
1: The main Thor story. And I think it was issue 135. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um the episode that went up was the Living Cell Incel episode. So
0: it's the one where he fights Fafnir, right? Right. Or right. something? Right. right. The second half of that where he beats him in five seconds with Mjolnir. With Mjolnir. So, sorry All about right. that, kids. All right. So, we got called on that by a few people. So, at some point in our next mailbag, you'll be hearing about that, I'm sure. Uh, but this one, now that we've officially established Mjolnir spelled correctly and incorrectly and then correctly again. The mighty Thor from Asgard to Earth, the flames of battle. Verily, it hath been written... The beautiful goddess Sith has been abducted by Ulik, or Ulick, deadliest and most powerful of all the trolls. In an effort to capture the hammer of Thor, Mjolnir, he has taken her to Earth as bait for a trap in which to catch the god of thunder. Garnished with grandeur, Stan the Manly and Jack King Kirby, inked by Vince, the Prince, Kaletta, lettered by Arty, the Smarty, Simek. So yeah, Thor goes to Earth. And I guess, I think they've said this before. But if not, this is the first time they've said it. That's how that works. Immortals can sense other immortals. So he can kind of figure out where Sif is, like Highlander style, you know. Um, And he decides, I'm going to turn to Don Blake because it's convenient for the plot. But also that way I can just walk through the city and blend in. Meanwhile, down below, underneath the city, all these trolls... Who have Sif in like this capsule, and she's like in suspended animation, and Ulik is like kind of scary, and all the other trolls are sort of scared of him, and they try not to say like other names around him, like Girador, who's the king of the trolls, because Ulik thinks he's cooler than that guy. But then they also keep talking about this new person that I don't think they talked about last issue, Oracle with a K and an A. Um, And they're like, yeah, he's more powerful than Ulick too. But don't say that in front of Ulick because Ulick thinks he's the best. Anyway, they have this Kirby device that lets them find where Donald Blake is walking. Because if we remember last issue, the king did know that Thor turns into Donald Blake. So they know who to look for. And they also have this device that lets them like phase and pull him through the ground. So they do that. And they grab his walking stick and they capture him. And they're like, ha, we have Thor's hammer but it's just a stick. How do, uh, tap, tap. How do you, uh, how does this thing work? And Don's like, oh, I'll tell you, um, if you just tap it twice real fast. And so the troll does that. But as the troll does that, uh, uh, Don wiggles free a little bit and touches the stick just as they're tapping. So that means it turns into the hammer. He turns into Thor. We go right back into a Ulick fight with Thor underground on Earth. Meanwhile, Asgard is being overrun by trolls. There's a ton, a ton of trolls. And at some point, one of the Asgard guys goes, hey, go talk to Odin. And I guess they're not in the heart of Asgard yet. They're at the borders or something because Odin's not there. He's in his castle. So like, go ask Odin for more troops. But when the guy goes to do that, he gets captured by trolls. So Odin doesn't even know that they asked for more troops. Um, The king goes to the middle of the cave and finally talks to this Oracle dude that we didn't know about. Turns out it's not a troll. It's a giant, crazy-looking Kirby-like alien who's trapped in troll fire. That's, like, the only thing that's, like, his weakness. And I guess Oracle, you guessed it, can sense the future and stuff like that. So he's been helping the king troll here, like, plan his attack on Asgard. Why not? Because why not? Because he keeps, because the king keeps threatening him with, like, you know, ever never-ending imprisonment uh, 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 ca- uh, if he doesn't, I guess. So back on Earth, Ulik and Thor continue to do that fighting thing like they did last issue. Um, at some point, Thor manages to knock Ulik and a couple of the trolls off him and escape a little bit. He finds Sif in her glass container. He puts down his hammer to try and figure out how to open the container because he needs both hands. And behind a rock, there's a troll with an orb of Oracle, which looks just like a purse, basically, that he opens up. But then light comes out of it and it sucks Mjolnir right into it. So Thor is like, oh, no, you took my hammer. Give it back to me. And they all phase through the wall. Or phase back to Asgard because they have that their own personal teleporter that we also established as issue. And the wall just turns into a regular old wall. And then Sif's egg thing opens up because now they don't need her anymore. And she's like, what's wrong, Thor? And he's like smacking on the wall going, no, they took my hammer. And she's like, oh, I think we'll be okay. He's like, no, you don't understand. I can't get back to Asgard without a hammer. And also I'm probably going to turn into something else in 60 seconds. Uh, meanwhile, on Asgard, while – Thor is down below crying to Sif about how he can't help. Um, the trolls storm the gates, and now they're like right on top of Odin um, and all his royal people. And it looks like they're going to win because there's so, so many of them. And that's how it ends. Cliffhanger, next issue, to die like a god. Yeah. That was fun. I liked it. Yeah, that was fun. A uh, nice, nice start to
1: the uh, to the year for this. Mm-hmm. Some um, Asgardian adventures, monsters—it's good Thor stuff. I
0: thought it was good pacing, like having all this—you know—fight above and fight below, and and uh, Asgard just getting spanked, basically at least for now. Thor totally defeated.
1: I kind of like how this war with the trolls kind of came out of nowhere because Thor's not been home, mm-hmm. and he come he brings Jane home to visit Dad. Like, oh, we're bringing back you know troll captives from the war. Like, oh, we're at war with trolls now? Sweet. Because that's kind of like how it would feel like in a movie. You just go to Asgard and like, hey, we're fighting, you know, the the left-handed elves. Um,
0: Yeah. Presumably Asgard fights all the time, and it's not not necessarily news. But let's talk about Thor going
1: home. Okay. I looked it up. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the first time that Don Blake has appeared in Thor.
0: Oh my gosh, really?
1: We have not seen Don Blake since Journey into Mystery 124, which
0: was over a year ago now. It did feel very weird to see him again. Yeah,
1: and the only reason he turned into Don Blake in that issue was to tell Jane his secret. So he mm-hmm. transformed into Don before waking her up then turned back into Thor. We haven't seen him actually try to live his civilian life since issue 120 when he went to his office and he'd been out of the office for so long, his bills were unpaid and his doctors had gone to see, his patients had gone to see other
0: doctors. And that was a year ago, so chances are he's not even renting that building. Right,
1: right. The last time Dr. Don Blake was normal was issue 114, which was before the Trial of the Gods. Oh my gosh. That was half the series ago in exactly two years. So he went the entire 1966 and practically all of 1965, because it was January 65, without pursuing his mortal life.
0: And you know, I can't say I've missed it. I agree. Because the mortal life was generally Jane and we've already decided that Jane was a lot of waste of space, or at least they wasted a lot of space on her. Mm-hmm. Not her fault, their fault, but yeah, like I didn't need any of that drama. And the more he leans into just being full on Thor, the better this book has been.
1: Yeah. But he went off to that trial of the gods and said goodbye. And I, I don't think I really realized just how big a deal it was at the time. We were literally saying goodbye to a phase of Thor
0: storytelling. He almost didn't even need to be Don in this. They could have just captured Thor instead, mm-hmm. But except for the stick shenanigans. But that doesn't last very long. Yeah, we don't see anything of civilian Thor either. It's just in Thor, Thor form. Now, remember when Hydra – not Hydra – Mr. Hyde and Cobra – Couldn't figure out how Thor and Donald Blake were related, but somehow they did and they captured Donald Blake in his office and they had the stick. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, Mr. Hyde taps it and it turns to the hammer and the hammer automatically goes to Thor. It was something like like that. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, wow, other people can turn the stick into Yelner, you know, Um, but then it didn't work here unless the guy just didn't tap it right. I guess that's always possible. Maybe he's only tapping it once.
1: Yeah, I'm not I sure if I, if I if I like that it doesn't work for anyone else. Because, I mean, the, 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 the fan-held idea is that no one can lift the hammer unless they're Thor. But if mm-hmm. it's a stick, it was just a stick in a cave when Dr. Blake first found it. Mm-hmm. But, of course, he was actually Thor, just didn't know it yet.
0: Yeah, do you think you have to be worthy to turn the stick into the hammer? Maybe. They're not saying if, that, if that's true, but maybe. They're not. Well, they kind of are. They're saying... Uh... Just one tap, and the power will be mine. Never, only Thor can work the enchantment. Page four.
1: Only Thor can work the enchantment. Well,
0: so that's new. That I is, think.
1: yeah. It's also kind of an extrapolating from the actual words of the enchantment, mm-hmm. um,
0: which makes sense. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. That
1: Oracle uh, guy looks like a celestial.
0: He sure does. He looks. I think it's a really cool design. I don't know what he is. Is he a robot? It's hard to say because could be a robot.
1: I kind of feel like this is a Star Trek reveal. You know, the, the also, I mean, Oracle
0: the- that's kind of makes you roll your eyes a little like his name is Oracle, but <laughs> come on. But anyway, and of course, they don't really explain, oh, they kind of explain how he came down. From I guess he's like, I didn't mind his revelation so much because I thought it was kind of cool that the, the troll king had like this in his back pocket the whole time. That's how he's been better than he's ever been before. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Like Otherwise, it's like, wow, how come the trolls are so amazing all of a sudden? Because he has this thing that he came across and captured. and Oh, and it's helping him. Is, yeah. is now using to outsmart the Asgardians, which is working.
1: Until he's really gross about Sif.
0: Is he gross about Sif? Yeah, he's like, I if remember. I beat
1: you, then she's mine.
0: Although he oh, might just well. be saying that
1: to Ryle Thora because he really just wants the hammer.
0: Was that you, like, that said that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But what are they going to do with the hammer? Like, just because they have it. You know, they also should know that they can't lift it. Maybe just getting it Except away from Thor is a big deal. That could be. Like, yeah, because that is that is kind of the big deal to Odin in the end here. He's like, where's my son and his awesome hammer to help us? Right. And Thor's like, oh. But that reminds me of that. Remember that issue where Loki stole the hammer and he spent the entire issue still being Thor?
1: he like to Making get him all back? these other hammers.
0: But, like, it just reminds me, like. You do realize that Thor's pretty amazing without his hammer, too, uh-huh, people. Uh-huh. Like, you didn't render him complete. I guess you've rendered him helpless in the sense that he can't get back to Asgard without it.
1: He had to show how awesome he was to earn the hammer. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't just be like, ha you don't have your hammer anymore. No big deal. Because he could still bench press a skyscraper. But, uh, yeah. But he can't get home. So that was actually a pretty good chess move on their part.
1: And also, he's on the time limit. If he, Yeah, because if he goes home, he'll be on the time limit to go turn back into... Um, Don right? Blake.
0: Yeah. Not only is he going to turn to Don Blake, but like literally there's no vehicle that I can think of in the Marvel universe currently that could get him to Asgard. It's not like he just jump in a. Oh, you're totally right. Start once, he's, once he's there, he wouldn't be able to leave. You're right. Like, I, doesn't he use like portal magic to get to Asgard? Mm-hmm. Or flies. But-, but I assume it's like only possible to do that with his enchanted mallet. And you can't just like jump into a Reed Richards car. Oh, great. There. It's
1: magical hammer flying in. Not really yeah. a point A to point B direct flight, yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's like, dang, he's pretty he's pretty in trouble right now, which is cool. We haven't even talked about the time limit in so long. And he kind of, I was hoping kind of that he would be Don by the end of this last page, but he's not. He's still Thor. I kind of wanted to see Sif go, buh. Right. You know. <laughs> so hopefully that happens next issue. He doesn't say, what does he say Return to mortal form within a scant 60 seconds. And she doesn't seem surprised by that. So maybe everybody knows his dilemma there. Well, the, That's the, actually pretty brilliant, though. Lead him to Earth, because that's the one place where he does have a weakness. hmm That's awesome.
1: And then strand him there.
0: And strand him there. Yeah. Maybe after this, Odin's going to be like, yeah, let's not do that anymore. I lift you of this.
1: I've done far worse than kill you.
0: Left- <laughs> I've hurt you. <laughs> I've buried a lie. Buried a lie. You're then-
1: there <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you can't even scream Eulig. You got
0: uh, to scream, what's his name? I can't even pronounce. Yeah, Geradur or whatever. Geradur! Yeah. Okay. Okay. On to the next. The Cyclopean Tale. This is going to be real fast. The quest for the Mystic Mountain. The longest part is going to be me reading this caption. Mighty Thor and his gallant companions searching for the evil mogul, who is the sworn enemy of Hogan, the Grim, now find themselves in the land of Hindi. As they stray far from Asgard, seeking the magic mountains of Mogul. If it all sounds too complicated, stay with us, true believer. We'll try to clear it up for you somehow. Anyway, a Stanley and Jack Kirby super spectacular inking Vince Coletta, lettering Sam Rosen. As they're looking for the place, they find a Cyclops, but it turns out they're not looking for a place. They're looking for. The frick is that dude's name? They're looking for like wazir. a wizard. Vazir? Mm-hmm. A wazir. Yeah. W-A-Z-I-R, Wazir. They're looking for a Wazir. And this big giant cyclops is in their way because I guess he protects everybody or he beats up on anybody looking for a Wazir. But they, they defeat him. And then Wazir shows up. He's a really old man in a yellow cloth with a stick. And they're like, he's like, what do you want? I'm really old. And the more I talk to you, the more I die. And they're like, we're trying to find this mountain. He's like, oh, hold on to my stick and stroke it up and down. And when you feel it vibrate, you'll know. And then they do that. And he makes a weird face, and then he disappears. And they're like, "Wow, we know." And that's the end. Thor finds the Mystic Mountain because he kind of knows where it is now because he stroked a stick. And Volst- uh Oh, and Volstagg sleeping when they go back to the horses. Yeah. Ho ho ho! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's really nothing really happens. <laughs> um, uh, it's kind of weird. It's like. It's like the last issue was this whole big deal of we have to find this place. And this issue is like, oh, just find an old man and he'll know where it is. Okay, cool.
1: And we're in the land of the Hindi, which means India. Uh huh. But nothing looks Indian.
0: Well, yeah, not really. Just looks more like the same old Asgard stuff. Right. It's interesting. They're trying to bring in like
1: other ancient, you know, lands and stuff that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, I'm making up stuff to say about this. I don't have anything to say about it. Should we see what Gene has to say about it?
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's hear it. Poor Gene. Gene, rescue us, please. Okay. Does he read these and go like, God, what am I supposed to write about this?
1: Oh, my gosh. He says, um, this is, this is by the way, Gene Hendricks, uh, our Asgardian advisor. He says, careful, guys. If Volstagg were there, he'd tell you that Wazir looks an awful lot like Fafnir's human disguise. Hmm. Not much else to say. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) much the standard get the information needed for the old hermit trope that's in most adventurous (laughs) stories. And no, Wazir changed from Vizier, and Ogre changed from O-G-R-E. They're not Norse in origin. They're just, you know, fancy spellings Mm -hmm. of names. Mm -hmm. So we only have seven Tales of Asgard left. Oh, shucks. They're, They're... I hope they don't go out with a whimper. I hope it gets better before it gets gone.
0: I mean, they're not horrible. I hate to, like, make fun of this. They're just so short in pages. One, two, three, four, five pages. So what can you do in five pages? And I guess they do okay with it. But sometimes you read these and it's just like, gosh, either nothing happened or in this case, something very easy happened that was supposed to be harder. hmm Oh, well. All right. They'll get to him. They'll kill the guy. I guess that's probably the last storyline unless they're going to squeeze in another one.
1: Well, it's they, they, a full seven issues left, so I think they have room for another arc. This one feels like it's no. going to wrap up here
0: pretty short. Yeah, probably. The way they're going, yeah. Okay, Wahoo! Sergeant Fury 40. I always feel it's really weird to end a show on Sergeant Fury. That doesn't happen often. It
1: does not happen often, but it's the beginning of a new week. The beginning uh-huh. of the uh, week of January 10th, 1967. Um, that France might be free is a title of this, uh, epic at a top secret commando staging area somewhere in England, six of the most painful thorns of Hitler's side. I like that phrase are put through their paces by Nick Fury, the toughest non-com on either side of the channel, uh, explosive editing by Stan Lee scorching scripting by Roy Thomas, Piping hot plotting and drawing by Dick Ayers, inflammable inking by John Tartaglioni, and lukewarm lettering by Sam Rosen. Okay, so, um, they're running through their usual obstacle course stuff. The howlers are griping, Fury's griping right back, and then, um, a messenger comes in and says, Captain Sawyer wants you and your chicken scratching meat heads back at the base pronto, or he'll have your flea bitten hides. Sorry, Sarge. He said to use the exact words. So they hotfoot it back to base and they find out from happy Captain Sam Sawyer that um, the the allied powers want to invade Hitler's fortress Europe. They're ready to start taking back land, but um, they need help from the free French underground in order to do that. And a handful of the leaders have recently been captured. So they're going to go and get um, get them rescued and maybe blow up the base where they're being held along the way. And they find out that one of the uh, resistance fighters who is held captive is Jacques Dernier, who was um, the one that has commonly called Frenchie in, um, in the fan lore. So we've seen him way back in issue 21, I think one other time before that. So like, yeah, let's go save Frenchie. And um, so they do. They, they go across the channel, they meet up with a woman named Claire, who's like, yeah, let's go um, find um, our, our captured people. Wait a second, you have a German with you? I hate Germans because of all the things they've done to my land. And Koenig is like, yes, I'm not a Nazi, though. And she's like, okay, valid point, but I'm still watching you. So they go, they do the infiltration thing. They try to find Frenchy and they do find Frenchy. He's like, all right, let's go. Um, they ask him where the things are that they're going to blow up. I don't know exactly what. In any case, Frenchy stumbles and says something that Frenchy shouldn't know. And Fury realizes that he's not really Frenchy. He is, in fact, a Nazi spy. So get this. They dress <laughs> the Nazi in one of their own uniforms. And have him run out ahead. Cause they're like, hey, show us where to go. He's like, yeah, this this hallway's clear. Just just go down this hallway. Yeah, you first. So he runs down and is like, Help, commandos. And um they're like, hey, look, it's a guy in an American uniform. Let's kill him like an American. So they do. They kill him. Uh no no hiding ifs, ands, or buts about it. He gets shot right there on screen. So Uh, They do eventually go and find the real Frenchie and Frenchie says stuff that makes Fury realize he really is the real Frenchie. And after this, it's basically fighting their way back. There's some more really interesting death on screen. That's like a lot more obvious and undeniable than we've seen in the past. Um, What else? Anything major happen? Claire helps out pretty well. They blow up a house um, they have to part ways with Claire. Oh, Claire and Koenig at the end realize that they have found mutual respect and Claire apologizes for her prejudices earlier and will spread the word that there are many Germans on their side. Ken is like, good, They're just spread the word for freedom. You know, freedom's good. Uh, they get back to the base and they find out that a VIP wants to see the famous Howling Commandos. Like, oh, we just want to sleep. It's been such a long mission. Can we please just go hit the sack? Nope, nope, nope. You gotta go see this VIP. He's like, fine. So they go in. And Dino is back. Dino Manelli is back. He has a cane. He says he'll be losing the cane shortly. He's gonna help film a movie. and And then, yeah. He's gonna be back with the Commandos. They're gonna have eight Commandos now, not just seven. And everyone is super happy. And we end with Sawyer yelling at all of them. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. Well, he's not officially back, right? He said he has to make a movie first, and he's still got a cane.
1: Right. But he talked like there's a temporary.
0: Yeah. Well, next issue is they're going to make a movie, apparently. That's what it says. So, he's going to be in the comic, I assume.
1: Um, This, yeah, I think this is Dino Minnelli's return, return.
0: But So, does that mean German guy is going to go off to deal with his sister and he
1: does mention that either in this issue or the previous issue, because remember he mentioned that. But That's I don't right. think so. I remember looking up an appearance list of him, and he's he's around for a while. So I don't know exactly. Yeah, what Yeah, because he is
0: says there. it's this issue on page eighteen. He's like thinking, "How did that imposter know my name?" So then he starts deducing that intel- Nazi intelligence must know who he is, and therefore his sister's in danger too. Because remember the the guy who puts on the mustache to try and pass off as Frenchie, right? like, says his name, which is what tips off Nick Fury because Frenchie shouldn't know who this guy is. Right. But then why would that Nazi know who this guy is, you know, unless they're under surveillance or something? Um, Yeah, okay, funny, I don't know, cool issue, I guess. I was
1: actually trying to to think about what to say about it. I mean, this is, weirdly, this is Frenchie's or Jacques Darnier's last issue.
0: Okay.
1: Um, He's one of those characters that, like, even as someone who doesn't really before, you know, relative recently, didn't really know much about Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos, but I knew there was a Frenchman. Like, I just, mm-hmm. and yet he never really was a commando. He was just saying like, he showed up a few times.
0: But then he goes on to become Bat- Batrock, right?
1: Of course, because that's <laughs> they all how have that the works. same
0: mustache. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have the same mustache. Um, speaking of mustache, that did make me laugh out loud, mostly just how bonkers this, this plan is to, like, I don't even know what they're trying to do. Like, they have this guy put on a mustache, and there—that somehow magically makes him just like Frenchie. And he's gonna fool the Howlers who have talked to the real Frenchie before, right? And like somebody, had how a bad far plan. was this gonna go? Was he gonna kill all the Howlers and then? go back to the French Revolution and infiltrate that too with this fake mustache? I mean, I don't know. It was just weird. It was kind of funny. The reveal. <gasps> he's not a re- he's not a French man and they pull off the mustache. Right. That's hilarious. It's Robin underneath. Hilarious. Yeah. That was funny.
1: Have you ever read um the digital comic Injustice Gods Among Us?
0: I am aware of it and have seen various panels that make people mad, but that's about it. Oh, it's it's it's
1: delightful. Yes, it's it's, you know, a different take on things. But um there's this one, there are a lot of little vignette issues that like, you know, just focusing on a character and tell a little story. There's this great issue where mm. Green Arrow arrests Harley Quinn and Harley mm. is being Harley and she has a fake mustache and she pulls <laughs> it out of this really poignant moment and just like in the middle of the dramatic poignancy is suddenly Harley Quinn in a fake mustache and it just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, mixes up the funny with the sad. It was great. Highly recommended Injustice Gods Among Us digital comic.
0: It's a video game too, right? Or it was a video game first or something.
1: Yeah, the comic is supposed to be like uh, explaining why the heroes are fighting each other. Okay.
0: so I've mostly seen that panel where Dick Grayson dies and everybody's up in arms and how stupid he dies because he just falls and hits his head or something like that. Yeah. It's like, that would never happen. He's a master acrobat. He can't fall. Uh, or whatever. Superman stumbles no over the stairs and falls into the fire and Superman 2. <laughs> he did that on purpose. We all know that was some- huh. He wanted to reveal
1: Okay, well, maybe Damien wanted to kill Dick Grayson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe Dick Grayson wanted to die. <laughs> that was pretty cruel, though, what they did on number eight. Almost like uncharacteristically cruel in a way. Like, go out there dressed as us and die, basically. On what? On page eight, where they dress him up oh, as a commando. Yes,
1: yes, yes, I was like, oh, back in like, the story,
0: but what? <laughs> it's like, wow, that was really mean.
1: And there are a few places that there's that guy, there's another guy later, where they, they're just like, torso headshot of somebody taking bullets
0: yeah when um izzy is fighting with the one german like his german com- his nazi uh companions like miss izzy and hit him or something mm-hmm. yeah and they just b- yeah most most of this stuff has been like oh my arm is injured right or they they, yeah. they run down a hallway shooting and then they just stand
1: there look at the dead bodies while they talk
0: um is the lady supposed to be somebody again like sophia loran or something see i thought the
1: same thing and i i didn't really look it up but there's not really a lot to look up
0: yeah that was the thing i didn't know how to google this but they're like simply call me claire but then she has that vibe of like they're trying to capture a likeness and she's wearing this yellow raincoat the entire story and it just seems like it's supposed to be somebody but i couldn't figure out who um how do you google that claire the french revolutionary yeah i don't know I don't know either. World War Two. I just searched
1: French Resistance WW Two Claire and I got nothing.
0: Right, but she seems like she's supposed to be really important, and yet she wasn't kind of that important. So, oh. other than the, I did like the lesson, like the whole not all not all Germans are Nazis lesson. That was neat.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like when they do stuff like that. It's one of the better aspects of this series, um, because I mean, the, I, I like this series, but it's mm-hmm. the stories become less memorable after a while.
0: Yeah, this was one of those issues where I was counting the pages and it was like really there's still five more. Um, like once We've accomplished our mission already. Yeah, Why are once we still they get doing Frenchy
1: this? And it's the last 10 pages of the book. It's just like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hate when that happens. Like you feel like the mission has been accomplished but then you realize there's still 10 more pages.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
0: It's like so you're just going to this you're just going to Doctor Strange me and throw more crap at the characters for no reason. Basically. I guess. Basically, but Dino was cool in the end. I have to say, mm-hmm. he was very cool. Uh, we all saw that coming, but it was still cool. And there we go. We kicked off 1967 with the return of Dino and the return of Don Blake. Don, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, baby, he's he's threatening to turn to Don Blake. We don't know yet for sure. No, he
0: did. He did initially. Oh, that's right.
1: Yes, at, at the beginning, you're right. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, and yeah. he might again.
0: And he might again. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, next episode, next week, you should come listen for the following four or five comics. Tales to Astonish, 90. Tales of Suspense, 88. Those numbers are getting really, really close to those transition numbers. 90 is really close to 100. Yeah. Uh, The X-Men, Fun. 30. Daredevil, 26. And maybe Fantastic Four, 61. Ooh. Um, All right. Where should they find us?
0: They can find us and all previous episodes at makeoursmarvel.com. Or more importantly, open up your favorite podcast app, type makeoursmarvel. Hopefully it's in there. If not, write to us, podcast at makeoursmarvel.com. Or just go to the website and use the form that's there. And there's also a link for Twitter and Facebook. And PayPal. And PayPal. That's right. We now have a donation button if you would like to be so kind and to throw a little change our way. The show's still going to be free, though, so no pressure. But, you know, $1,000 here or there.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, to cover the new socks, that sort of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. I can be found on Twitter at John Reads Comics. Mike can be fitter'd, fitter'd, found on Twitter Fittered. at Kaiser the Great.
0: You can Fitter me on Twitter if you want. That's cool.
1: <laughs> fitter the Twitter. Um, I run three other podcasts. Um, I talk about Transformers. I talk about uh, Japanese ranger superheroes with my son. Those are both available at TFUK Podcast on Twitter on the same feed, the Return to Cybertron feed. I also have an Image Comics podcast at All the Pouches on Twitter. And um, yeah, so be back next time. And um, until then, or until Sif decides to uh, date a
0: space horse, make ours Marvel. marvel.